Welcome back to Sports Legends of the Carolinas, and thank you for subscribing. I'm your host, Scott Fowler, and on this podcast, we speak with some of my favorite sports icons from the region I've covered for almost 30 years. When they come to us, it's our responsibility to develop them totally and that they do become productive citizens. For this episode of Sports Legends of the Carolinas, I'm glad to have former UNC Charlotte Athletic Director Judy Rose. Judy Rose was the athletic director for the Charlotte 49ers for an astounding 28 years. And and just selling our product, and, and, and we are trying to be Charlotte's institution. We're never gonna be the flagship in the state of North Carolina, and we know that. And we know who we are, and so how do we sell that to people where we can get their buy-in? Thanks again for supporting this work. Here's the rest of our conversation. Uh, so Judy, let's talk a little bit about college athletics today because you're only semi-retired. You're still very much in the loop from what you've told me about all the many things you're doing. But NIL, that must be, uh, uh, well, just tell me your thoughts sort of on, on NIL and also on the transfer portal and what has changed uh, in, these, in these massive shifts uh, in college athletics. You know, I'm all for student-athletes. Uh, getting reimbursed, but NIL, we've done a poor job within the NCAA, and we're all the NCAA. We're all voting members, so it's part of everybody's responsibility that we've landed where we've landed on not being as prepared as we should be for the uh, NIL. Um, It's taken the NCAA years to make decisions on punishments for for people that break rules and also not being prepared for something like NIL. We've known this was coming. And now to know that young people are making decisions on where they're going to go to school solely based on how much outside income they can earn. And this is not their first decision. A lot of these people are transferring from being at a pretty good spot where they are to another university because they have somehow gotten alumni or businesses in the various cities or that support the university to provide big money or vehicles for individuals. Um, and for me, it's, it takes away the team aspect because certain individuals are may as well just be playing professionally. Uh, and others are not going to get anything, not going to get anything. And so uh, that's really difficult for me, and it doesn't seem like it's amateur anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that, that's a hard one for me. Again, I'm not opposed to student-athletes getting more, but uh, I'm concerned. I'm concerned about the voice of the coach, being minimized at the so that the student athletes have a stronger voice, um, and I believe the student athletes should have a voice, but I don't think it should be stronger than the coach's voice um, because you can't let the inmates run the asylum, <laughs> and and we we really do have to make sure that the coach is in charge of the program uh, in that regard, and and then the the transfer portal, I. I I could not be a coach today. You don't know who's going to be in your program. You have no idea. And what's happened with the transfer portal is 
uh, that has become the major recruiting ground right there. It is to the detriment of high school young people, to junior college young people that have been working all these years to get the same opportunity as those that before them have had. But I think that has been minimized uh, as a result of the transfer portal because what we're seeing is the Power 5 schools, why why take a risk unless it's just a total superstar? Right. They're not going to take a risk on someone when they can say, well, gosh, look, Charlotte's got this kid on their team. He is a great player. We need that. We need him. Yeah, you've seen him perform for We've the first two years. He's been consistent. Pluck so, out the best ones. Yeah, and, so yeah. they'll go get those. And, and those kids will have opportunities at the name, image, and likeness that maybe they wouldn't have at some of these other schools. But the schools that have invested in these young people and spent a lot of money re- in recruiting them and then investing in them and making them better players – have just prepared them to go somewhere else. Right. So, right. And, and again, the timing of all of this, you don't know who's going to be on your team and who's not going to be on your team. And uh, so, I mean, I, I'll, I'll speak for Charlotte. We have benefited from the transfer portal, and we've lost to the transfer portal. Because I still, if I had my preference, I would, I, I think, just you only get to transfer once, and then you, you don't get to do it again. We've got kids that are transferring Three, three, been three and four different colleges. Would you make them sit out a year like would, they used I would, to? I would, make, like the old I would make all of them. Hmm. See, that, that's where we, again, didn't have the foresight. And I was on one of the NCAA committees, and I kept saying, let's make everybody sit out. No, it's not fair that basketball and football have to sit out, and others don't have to sit out. So make everybody sit out a year. So I'm not sure what we're teaching young people either. Hmm. When you commit to something, are you committed or do you just want to be able to do whatever you want to do mm-hmm. whenever? The value of a college education. We put pen and paper to it when I was there. And I'm like, let's, let's say, what, what does a student athlete get? Okay. Mm-hmm. That nobody else on this campus gets. Okay. Private coaching, academic support, strength and conditioning coaches, nutritionists, sports psychologists, apparel, travel. And it came up to at least $100,000. Oh, I believe it. And I'm like, is that not a value in addition to receiving a college education, which no one can ever take away from you? So that is amateur sports to me. It's not amateur anymore, in my personal opinion. You, because you were there 28 years, um, made some wonderful hires. People who had great success, a lot of NCAA births, et cetera. You've also, as any administrator would have to do, have had to fire people. So I wonder if you learned how to do that better as when you had to do it and what sort of your methods are, what maybe you would tell other people who sometimes have to deal with that in their own businesses. You know, it, it's different for each situation, and that might might sound like, that's not a good rule, but, but it is. Um, some of the time, it's my fault if I hired the wrong person and they didn't end up being what I thought they were going to be. And, and how you handle that might be a little bit differently than if, if someone was not successful for other reasons. Um, and, and you also have to, uh, what factors or plays into it or, or what are the university and the state guidelines? Because, you know, 
there are some guidelines that you have to have all this certain things done ahead of time. You've got to have a letter in your hand. All right, let's say uh, uh, that we're going to let you go from the job. I'm going to have two letters. One where I give you the opportunity to resign. And there's some ramifications there with, with your um, pay and with, you know, how long, how long you'll remain on payroll and things like that if you're not under contract. Of course, if you're under contract, you'll abide by the contract and, and take care of that. But so I'm either going to hand you this letter or this letter, one where you say, no, I'm not going to resign. Okay. Um, so I have the other letter there. And I'm like, well, it, you know, it's time for us to make the decision and we're going to move in a different direction. And they're never easy. I don't care if, if you had a good relationship or, or, or a mediocre relationship with a coach. It, it's, it's still somebody's lives you're affecting and families you're affecting. And, and hard feelings exist oftentimes as a result of it. Um, and, you know, and there's some have been due to health issues, and that those are really hard, mm-hmm. uh, you know, when you make decisions in, in that right. regard. Alan Major had serious yeah, health yeah. issues, right? And, yeah. yeah, and in that one, uh, I went to his house, mm. and, and uh, uh, we'd been talking, but I went to his house, and that was... That's probably the hardest one I ever had to do. Really? Because he's a quality person. Mm-hmm. Quality person. One of the best recruiters we've ever had. Mm-hmm. We had great players on that team. Now, we weren't as successful as we needed to be. But there were some health issues involved. And, and you know, you, you, all people are good people. Some are better than others. Right. And, and it, it's really hard when you're dealing with good people. And, again, when you know you're affecting their lives. Uh, Lost a lot of sleep over those. Really? Yeah. Always. Before you had to do it, knowing you had to do it, and then after you had to do it. Yeah, it's got to be tough. Yeah, because like you say, the, the ripple effects. It is. and, and How did you deal with that? Uh, the, you know, when, uh, when fans would criticize Judy Rose and say, we haven't done that because we haven't made the NCAA tournament since 2005, uh, the football team's losing too much, whatever they might say. Yeah. Um, I know in my job as a columnist, I get criticized a lot, but it's mainly by, you know, email or phone calls. It's nothing that's really not people I've, I'm probably trying to sell tickets to or anything. Yeah. And I've de- I developed a thick skin early, uh, but and I'm sure you you have as well. But that's still got to be hurtful, I would think. Well, it, it is when it occurs. And usually it's a handful, maybe more than a handful that speak the loudest. And, and they social media has really amplified it uh, to the nth degree. And, and, and that's a shame for a lot of reasons. It's a shame for young people participating in sport today. We talk about their mental health. If they go read everything that people are writing about them, uh, you know, you, you will become very despondent. Uh, and, and yes, it is hurtful when it happens. And, and I had to, and Ken was, was a great um, sounding board for me. And, and, you know, when it came to football, I was like, you know what? These people think we ought to be in the bowl in our second year or third year. I'm like, we are a startup program from scratch competing against people right now. Now, we want to win, and, and, but there's got to be patience. I said, we knew this was going to come, that they, you know, we want football. We want it. We want it. But we only want it if we're going to go to a bowl <laughs> kind of deal. And, and I'm like, it's going to take some time, and they're going to be growing pains. And so football didn't – the complaints about football – I could let roll off easier than than basketball. Mm. I, I could just because I knew I'm like 
we knew, the trustees knew, the chancellor knew, everybody knew. It's, we're not going to get there automatically. And the fact that we jumped as quickly from FCS to FBS, I mean, we, did we bite off more than we could chew? We could compete, but would we be very competitive? Okay. And, you know, we have and, and we haven't at times. Uh, so, but yet, it, it's not easy. No. It's not no, easy. No, I'm sure it's not. To flip the coin a little bit, tell me about two or three of your very favorite moments as Charlotte 49ers AD. Wow. This one I'm going to say is, and, and this is when I was a women's basketball coach, but was when our men went to the Final Four in Atlanta. Oh, yeah. uh, because that was, for me, I was like, oh, my gosh, I picked the right school. <laughs> I mean, I hadn't been here very long, you know, at all. And I'm like, this is unbelievable. Uh, and, and, you know, that whole experience uh, mm-hmm. of, you know, with Lee Rose leading the team and first went to the NIT in New York and did so well and then to the, the Final Four in Atlanta and just the way the city embraced the team when they came back. And, and you could almost see what our university could be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and going from 8,000 students to now 30,000 students and, 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 and see all of that. So that, that was one. And, and, and football, for sure. Uh, uh, I, I took a, a lot of pride in the way that the university handled. We, we started football the right way. And, and we made sure that we were going to have a stadium that was a nice stadium. Not, we're the smallest yeah. in Division One, and we're working on that. <laughs> uh, and, but it, it was quality. And, and the people that came out of the woodwork, like Mr. Richardson, to, to name the facility so that we could start and, and, and have a, not a competitive advantage because we don't have any advantages in that regard, but that we had a nice home mm-hmm. and that something we could be proud level of. Playing field. Yeah, level yeah. playing field. And then we could be very proud of that in that regard and others that stepped up with naming opportunities. So the, the football piece was very, very important. And, you know, I, I look at our, our – we've been very successful in track and field and in soccer over the years. I mean, very successful. And uh, I'm so proud of our women's basketball team this, this past yeah, year. That's maybe. not under my leadership, but we did hire her yeah. uh, <laughs> in, in that regard. But uh, um, I have absolutely no regrets for having spent my whole career at Charlotte. Uh, it's kind of unheard of Very that, unusual. That, that somebody yeah. does that. And, and in today's day and age, people move around a whole lot more. Um, and it's very lucrative today uh, in that regard. But um, I, um, I wouldn't trade it. Uh, it. It's my school. And, you know, I still help them when they ask me to help them. And if they don't ask me to help, I don't help. But I'll <laughs> 10 games and be the biggest cheerleader or, or whatever. You do. I see you at their games, though. They're, you're yes. pretty much always there, right? Basketball, men's and women's basketball, and football pretty much. Others sporadically. Right, right, right. So, Judy, I ask a lot of people this question. always provokes an interesting answer. But if you're looking back right now and you could speak to let's say 25 year old judy wilkins she's a women's basketball coach she's not even an ad yet she's not married yet she's driving the team van back and forth and dropping off all the kids at the dorms 
but she's ambitious and obviously wants to do a lot with her life. What would you tell that Judy Rose today? Always make sure you treat the least paid person the same way you would treat the most expensive or the one that's got the greatest, greater salary. Um, I was always raised that treat people the right way and treat people the way you want to be treated and be fair, be kind to people, um, listen to people. Your voice is not the most important one in the room. You need to, to gather and get, I'm a consensus builder and, and that's important to me. But make people know they are appreciated, whether it be if they're working for you. I never, I never viewed that people worked for me. They worked with me. And, and when the situation with Jeff Mullins, when Jeff became, Jeff was my boss, then I became Jeff's boss. Now, how many men, no offense, would be able to handle that? <laughs> Jeff, you would have never known that there was ever a difference, ever. Uh, and and I learned a lot from him in that regard and the way that he handled that whole situation. Um, so I think the way you treat people and, and the way you treat donors, um, you know, they don't have to give us their money. Right. And once they do, I really try hard to continue to let them know how appreciative we are. So, so I do to this day, even though I'm no longer working for the mm -hmm. university. I'm going to tell those people on an annual basis, I thank you for what you did in this year. Judy, I have trouble asking anyone at my kid's school for $5 for a fundraiser. You raised more than $100 million for athletic facilities, one of which is somehow named for you on that campus. Um, how do you do that? First of all, how do you ask people for money? Because I need to learn. And then secondly, how did that uh, building, the football, uh, beautiful football facility get named for you? Well, you sound like members of my family, my siblings. <laughs> They're like, you ask somebody for how much money? And, and I'm like, I'm like, how do you do that? And I'm like, well, um, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I have a great product to sell, um, young people opportunity for young people to get a college education, uh, whether it be an endowment gift we're asking for or for a facility. Uh, and, and we want them to have a good home while they're here. Uh, we want great facilities for them to compete in. And, and just selling our product. And, and, and we are trying to be Charlotte's institution. We're never going to be the flagship in the state of North Carolina, and we know that. And we know who we are. And so how do we sell that to people where we can get their buy-in? Because so many people in Charlotte did not graduate from UNC Charlotte. Right. And we have a lot more alums now that are uh, out there. But so many people have stepped up that did not graduate from the university to support our university and our athletic program and just developing the relationships. And I will tell you that every person that I've asked for big dollars from started out as just a contact and it's developed into a personal friendship. Hmm. And that will go into your second question that you ask about the facility, football facility being named for me. I had asked Dale Halton for $2.5 million to name that uh, after her. Uh, and um, she agreed to do it. 
and then surprised me. She and the chancellor, Phil Dubois, surprised me uh, and ended up naming it after me. Hmm. Uh, and so I was blown away. I am never speechless, or rarely, I should say. <laughs> uh, and uh, I was at that point, and I mean, I just had tears coming, I mean, down my face. I had no idea uh, when really? they made the announcement. Wow. And that is Dale F. Halton Arena. That's the same uh, That's Dale That's the same Halton. Dale Halton, yes. Right. And the tennis courts. Oh, and the tennis courts, yes. too, right? Yes. That's uh, Dale close and- to my own heart. Love that. I've played on those tennis courts before, yes. Um, yeah, what a great, uh, an honor and, and just speaks highly to that relationship. But 2.5 million. Wow. That's quite an ask. Yeah. But, and then but, she named it for you yeah. too. Wow. But you know, it was so important to me that our young people have those quality facilities. Mm-hmm. They help in so many ways, just recruitment period. If you don't have good facilities, it's very difficult to bring a recruit on campus and sell them something that's not there and say, we're going to have this. So I think facilities, and and I will say this for the campus, and this is kudos to uh, the leadership at the university, maintaining the facilities on our campus, not just athletic facilities, is a priority. And when I first came to Charlotte, our facility, the campus was ugly, and I didn't even realize it. Hmm. Uh, I mean, we had different architecture, you know, some was brick, some was this. I mean, nothing was consistent. And Jim Woodward said, we're going to have consistent-looking buildings. We're going to have standards, and we're going to develop them. And it cost more for us in athletics to build some of the buildings, but they look so they look so much better now. I think we're one of the prettiest campuses in the whole North Carolina system. And amazing how much it's grown. If you haven't been on UNC Charlotte's campus wow. lately, wow! I've taken a few high school students over there for tours and stuff, and it's uh, it, it's, it's remarkable. Amazing. It, There's it's, a new building there. It seems seemingly every other it, week. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, Judy, you do not sound to me too much like someone who's actually retired. Although I know you're technically retired, so. And your semi-retirement, what are you doing now? Well, I serve on the board of something called USIUSF. I won't even tell you what that stands for. (laughs) Short terminology, because we're changing the name of it. It's the World University Games. And outside of the Olympics, it is the largest competition for intercollegiate athletes. Mm. Uh, And I was fortunate. I've been on that board for several years. And I was fortunate enough to go to Italy two years ago. Uh, and and see the games taking place. Uh, and uh, the state of North Carolina is in final bidding process to host the Summer World Games in 2027 in the Raleigh, uh, Chapel Hill, uh, Greensboro uh, area. They'll be on all the campuses up there. And it's between us and South Korea. So I'm actively involved in that and, and hopeful that, that we're able to pull that off and that North Carolina will be When is that, that. Uh, announced? Uh, well, uh, it'll be within coming months. Well, that'd be a big deal for it, North it, Carolina. It, a huge, huge mm-hmm. deal. And then I'm consulting. I have my own consulting firm, but I, I'm I don't want to do a large amount of that, but I'm on uh, retainer for the National Junior College Athletic Association. Mm -hmm. And most people don't know this. It's the best kept secret and we don't want it to be. But they moved their national offices here from Colorado Springs uh, the year I retired in 2018. I didn't know that. And uh, they are, um, I'm trying to remember, um, 
the building that WFAE and all those are in. I cannot even remember. Oh, over at the university. You, yeah. Right, right, right behind the university. Mm-hmm. It, it's over there. They uh, have the whole top floor uh, of that facility. And uh, that, that's that been good mm-hmm. for me. It, it's been enjoyable because it's, it's, uh, it's the NCAA version, the leadership of the NJCAA. And outside of the um, – NCAA, they're the largest. They have more uh, student athletes. They have over 60,000 student athletes wow. participate wow. in the NJCAA. Yeah. Well, I'm sure that helps you keep a hand in it yeah. and helps yeah. them too. And, yeah. and, and I'm just, and I, then I just go to UNC Charlotte for a lot of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know they're always grateful to have you there. Um, well, Judy, it's been a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much. We just can't thank you enough for uh, sitting here with us today. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you again for subscribing and supporting local journalism. Next. Hello, I'm Phil Ford. Please join me next week on Sports Legends of the Carolinas. Uh, We'll be talking a little bit about Carolina basketball, me growing up in Rocky Mount, the Olympics, NBA. Please join us. It should be very exciting. I'm Scott Fowler, and this is Sports Legends of the Carolinas. This show is produced by Jeff Siner and Kata Stevens. And the director of audio at McClatchy is Davin Coburn. For lots more content and to continue supporting this kind of work, please visit charlotteobserver.com slash sportslegends and consider a digital subscription. Connect with me on Twitter at Scott underscore Fowler or by email at sfowler at charlotteobserver.com. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you like what you hear, please share with a friend. See you next week.